loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I am Cheryl Jones, your host, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Amy Venata Slater. Amy's the founder and CEO of Amy Slater Consulting and has more than 25 years of leadership and global sales experience with an unyielding focus on customer value and expertise in business and marketing transformation through technology. Amy provides personal and professional coaching services to create an integrated life fueled by the power of positivity and authenticity. She's a sought-after speaker on building your professional brand and leading through the cultivation of culture. She's a member of Advancing Women Executives and Women in Technology International, and she's also an Amazon best-selling author, the main main subject for today, of Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis, How to Move Forward in Times of Uncertainty. She holds an undergraduate degree in political science and economics from the University of California, Berkeley, and lives with her three daughters in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome, Amy. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. A local guest today. (laughs) You're you're not too far from where I am. (laughs) I think we're just a bridge apart. (laughs) Yeah, just a bridge apart, as as is as is true in our area, huh? You're you're a bridge apart from a lot of places around here. <laughs> exactly, I've been across one already today. <laughs> <laughs> so you you're a good example, I would say, of of the theme of this show that it was really really tough stuff that brought about a change in your life and led you in this direction. Um, so let's just start with that. Um, it. it it seems to me like there was a collision of several dramatic events that led to your life really changing. Can you share that with the, the listeners? Certainly, and um, I, I think the use of the word collision is, is very apropos. I, about six years ago, I was probably hit with a, you know, sort of a trifecta, if you will, of um, challenges. Um, I was... Uh, beginning divorce uh, from a 17-year marriage, a 24-year relationship, um, had learned of my father's diagnosis of Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's. And for those listeners who don't know, it's very much like uh, Alzheimer's. Um, It's a bad cocktail when you add it up with Parkinson's. And then I was suffering um, from a lifelong uh, um, exposure and experience with uh, IBS. So a lot of intestinal issues, not always a glorious subject to talk about. But all of those things really came to me and hit me at one time. And, you know, the, the one option was to just crater, um, which there were days when I certainly did that. But then there was something in me that said, I can't, I can't live this way. I have to choose another path. That kind of... Uh breakthrough desperation, I guess I want to call it, where you say, oh my gosh, something's got to give here. 
uh, does often lead in a creative direction because it, it causes you to consider things you might not have considered otherwise. Would that be true to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you basically get, get. I think you get stripped down to just such a basic place where you all you have is yourself to figure it out. We can look outward to the world and to the universe and say, you know, we can blame, we can blame and say, you did this to me, who did this to me, how am I going to move forward? But at the end of the day, you're just left with your own choices. And I was in search of inspiration, and thankfully I was inspired by a number of people, um, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, books that I had read, and you're basically stripped down to that barren place where uh, you're in a position of allowing something different to, to transpire. I was really struck by the actual uh, moment you were in with this happen- uh, when this happened, you know, in terms of life was kind of going great guns on one level. Um, uh, you had just... You decided to run a marathon and then done it actually with your husband. And this little paragraph in your introduction, not long after checking running a marathon off my bucket list, I embarked on a different journey, another marathon of sorts. Just three months following our hand-in-hand limp across the finish line, my husband and I decided to join a different population. Not only had we finished a marathon, we'd also crossed the finish line of our marriage. So I have this idea, which I I can't uh, verify except with you, that um, you're a person who before all of these things sort of collided was pretty used to being able to bring about what you planned to bring about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For better or for worse, I certainly have that type A personality that when I set my mind to something, I do it and, and I'm, I am just that uh, a doer. And it's not always a good thing. And I needed to spend more time just being. And I felt like I had done life. I had done the things I was supposed to do. I went to college. I went to a good college. I graduated. I got married. I had children. I had a career. You know, you check the list off. I had check, check, check. a lot of things. <laughs> check, 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 check. So what would be wrong? I, I just had this shield mm-hmm. of what I had, you know, supposed was perfection, what I was searching for, um, stupidly, (laughs) searching for perfection. And guess what? The rug was pulled out from underneath me. And I know so many people have gone through this, and I've connected in such a a rich way with so many other men and women who have gone through similar similar things and had similar journeys. And you really don't know what you've had until it's gone. Well, also, there's a kind of, the the word that came to my mind as I was reading was um, the sense of being in a positive way, not not dressed down, but humbled in the sense of realizing what you can act on and control and, and make happen and what is really not in your, uh, in your control or in your, in your power to uh, determine. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's what you can control is how you think. And not only how you think, but then what you do with it. We can all have those. I was having this conversation with someone else the other day. We can all have that aha moment. Like, oh, my gosh, I figured it out. But figuring it out 
first of all, is a destination, and I think we're always figuring it out. But you still have to do what it takes to make the change. You can't just say, oh, I get it. I don't have to be this way. I don't have to be strong. Okay, so what are you going to do now? And it's a very uncertain place, which is hence the subtitle of How to Move Forward in Times of Uncertainty. Even if you kind of think you figured it out, you still don't know how to do it. No one, There's no handbook about it. Why do you think there's so many self-help books and discovery? Because we're all still searching. I still still searching, search looking day. for something we resonate with. We're all but I was, you know, um, given that you are an action-oriented person and that's a skill you have that you're saying you hadn't quite balanced out. I I was very happy to see the first chapter. Your the chapters of your book are all uh, directions to go in terms of taking actions that help life. But the first one was cry, mm-hmm. and of course, as someone who believes in the power of grief, uh, I was happy to see that right up at the top. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that <laughs> there's no way cry. around having the difficult feelings, that there's some way that we have to surrender to those to get anywhere. Uh, yeah. That's how I read that. Is that how you experienced it? Exactly. It's exactly right. That um, the crying is really therapeutic. And the strange thing is, is that towards the, the in the last several years of my marriage, I never cried. I did not cry. And, well, there's a problem. (laughs) I didn't cry for years. I think I was so afraid that if I, you know, woke the sleeping giant that it would just, you know, be lost and go crazy. And that if I cried, I would cry forever. And that was the feeling that I had. Um, There was so much inner suffering. And not just related, it's not to point blame on the marriage itself, but I was suffering so much inside. But I didn't want the world to know I was suffering. Mm. And as soon as I, I let go, and I, I talk about that, watching the Brene Brown video and the vulnerability wrecking ball knocking down my wall, I cry all the time. I cry when I'm happy. Actually, I cry more now when I'm happy hmm. than when I'm sad. I still cry Tears when I'm Tears of sad. gratitude. I like those Tears of gratitude. quite a bit. <laughs> gratitude. I mean, I, I had a few today when I just experienced these really magical moments because I've slowed down enough to feel I was, for years, I was unfeeling because I was afraid, because I was so afraid to feel what it was that I was really feeling inside. You know, I, I, a couple of things come to my mind. One is that the first place uh, to register trouble that a person is in is typically in their relationship. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a direct mirror for mm-hmm. what we're not quite on balance with uh would that have been true about your marriage that 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 was sort of a shutdown of yours but it showed itself there as well yeah yeah and you know I think upon reflection you know of my role in it I think you know anytime we all go through or people go through divorce the first thing it's easy to do is to blame the other person I had nothing to do with this, right? Yet it takes. How two. could you? Uh, yeah, how could you have been this way or that way? You know what? I've really learned a lot about where I made my contribution and my fears of of intimacy, um, and I mean emotional intimacy. My fears of of knowing where I was hurting, of asking for help, 
all those things that so many of us are afraid of. We're afraid that vulnerability is weakness. And so what that did, instead of being a good thing, you know, saying, oh, I'm strong, it was bad. It was a wall that, in many cases, pushed people away. I was not mm-hmm. allowing people in, including, including my, my former husband. I didn't let him in. You know, I shut him out. I shut him out and shut out feeling because I just didn't want to go there. It's interesting because, you know, sometimes that direction that we're talking about can come from having sort of unhelpful parents or parents you can't rely on in some way. However, your parents sound as if they were pretty, pretty there. Oh, Would yeah. that be safe yeah. to say? So, so uh, it, yeah. So it doesn't always develop out of that clearly. No, no, it doesn't. I think it's it's interesting because sometimes I think when we have things that are so good or such great role models in in many ways, not that you know, not that they didn't have their own challenges, but you know, I think that was I was born with a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure to have what they did and to have this, you know, they were together since they were 13 years old. I mean, they had breakups, but not until they got married. They've been married for almost 57 years. And so it was almost like I had this pressure, you know, to perform and to have what they had without really understanding the kind of work that goes into it. And so whether, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, they had, you know, a really nice marriage and, and I'm happy to say that I was raised by, by them together, but it, it was also a lot to live up to and why it was so hard and maybe why it took me so long to, to figure it out. Um, that, cause I didn't want, I didn't want to be a casualty, another casualty, another failed marriage. I wanted to keep it, uh, at any cost. So that's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. feeling threatened by any problem as if the problem might take take away this goal you have, or, mm-hmm. uh, that can lead in a lot of troubling directions, <laughs> yeah. I know from firsthand yeah. experience. Um, so somehow wanting to live up to them also became a bit of a, of a liability. Perhaps. Exactly. It, exactly. It's, it's sort of like I use the term quite often of, you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're so afraid that something is going to happen that you create the problem and then it happens. That we live with that when, sometimes when we have so much fear uh, that we end up creating the problem. You know, it's interesting because I have this idea that I, that I talk about a lot, which is that every quality is good, but add fear and it turns into its opposite. Mm. Uh, that's a bit what we're talking about here, isn't it? That um, exactly if, right. If if you had fear to capability, uh, it it runs amok. It it goes mm-hmm. in a negative direction. So mm-hmm. um, so something about losing all face being faced with all of these very difficult things at once that you couldn't by your own will um, make go away. Uh, kind of forced you to take that into account more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of one of those that just said, okay, I, I sort of cry uncle. All right, okay, you got me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever spirit is out there that's bigger than me said, hello, 
we're going to wake you up. If we need to do one more thing, I'll put one more thing on you, okay? Like, just wake up. And so I'm grateful to have been awakened. And one of the things I say in, in my book and that I believe is that once you see, you can't unsee. And so once you open your eyes, you can't shut them. So it, it doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, times when I feel sorry for myself and I go down the victim path and things, but I try to keep that a very short period of time as opposed to wallowing in self-doubt or self-pity or whatever those things are. I decide to get in and get out, <laughs> you know, okay, I'm going to feel bad. Okay. Okay. I did it. Okay. I'm out. So I allow myself, but I don't allow myself to get carried away, you know, into the tide. I don't have a riptide that's taking me out to sea. I'm actually able to tread water a little bit before I swim again. Well, also what comes to my mind when I hear that is that, uh, and we can talk about this more after our first break, which is coming right up, is that there's some way that those, you're calling it a wallowing moment, I, I maybe we could call it submerged, whatever we call it, it has something to tell us about what we need, want, uh, what the next step is. Mm-hmm. And so if we if we never let it happen, we miss the message too. Uh, yeah, you I have would to think. let it happen because this is <laughs> hence why I got into such trouble because I hadn't allowed myself to go there because I was so afraid to go into the abyss that I didn't. And so, guess what happened? It hit me even harder. Harder. With so many with so many challenges because it was like the pressure the pressure valve right it was not being right. released slowly. It all happened at one time. Let's talk more about that when we get back. And also, you know, ironically, a lot of your book is about things we can do. So you can still use your action orientation, but um, in service instead of yeah. in charge. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about that, that when we get back. And listeners, you can... <laughs> uh, listeners you can find links to my website and social media at the good grief page at voice america like me on facebook please follow me on twitter connect on linkedin the whole works and to find amy venata slater go to amy slater be back soon Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Amy Venata Slater, author of the book, Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis. And uh, before the break, we were, we were talking, Amy, about kind of uh, using those, those crying moments or those moments of despair to inform us about what we need, want, desire, um, what is our... Uh, next calling our next step and um you know i i was saying you're still an action-oriented person but it seems as if you're in service of your uh your actions are in service instead of kind of driving um that seemed to resonate yes 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 i love it you said in service rather than in charge and you know following instead of leading. And I was kind of laughing, thinking whenever I would be on a dance floor, it's just, I'm so embarrassed to say, I was always leading. Like, hello, you know, let somebody else lead. I mean, it went that far that <laughs> I need to allow. Which would not be your social training, I'd imagine. Uh, I mean, I have I no had, problem with women been, leading, obviously, but it's apparently. not what you would you would imagine would be kind of, how you'd how you'd be trying to be yes right yeah right I mean that's, I even went that's to Cotillion which I you were kind of supposed I to be the known that. <laughs> I should have known better than that um, but that's the case in life we uh, a good friend of mine always you know sort of in conversation would say okay we need to hit the allow button allow let's just allow things to happen instead of making making them happen <laughs> Yeah, this this show is actually quite a good example of that because I spent a couple of years trying to make something happen based on a little whisper inside, which which was uh, I want um, take your message to a broader audience. I mean, I tried a bunch of things and I worked hard and I failed. <laughs> yeah, but when when the show happened, it was completely serendipitous. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything to make it happen. It came to me. Uh, isn't yeah. that, yeah. you know, I, I imagine all that effort was also a part of preparing. But um, it's true that often the things that most uh, inform our lives, ultimately, we we didn't force. Yeah, we, we, completely. And I, um, those, that's, I think, really where the the name uh, met the in the title the word magic comes from is that by by not leading by not being the master by not taking charge all of a sudden all this magic was happening 
around me and to me. And it just blows my mind. It blows my mind how when you slow down and allow things that happen, I mean, that are, that bring chills on my body or, or, or those happy tears we talked about, just things I just can't even, sometimes can't even describe to people other than it's just, it, I would always say I'd call my coach, Chris Doris is his name, and he's been really instrumental in a lot of my transformation. And I would start a sentence by saying, it's so weird how that happened. And he would say, it's not weird. Mm-mm. It's not weird. <laughs> just take it. Just take it. And and the more these times these sort of coincidences happen, the more I realize that they weren't coincidences at all. That's a really good moment to, you know, I'm I'm looking at the titles of your chapters of your book right now. And mm-hmm. in a way, they all, what they create is an atmosphere where, um, that kind of magic can happen. Um, I'm I'm just going to read them so that the listeners get to hear kind of your framework of how you invite magic. Mm-hmm. Um, cry, as I mentioned before. Stop complaining. We're going to talk more about that one in a minute because I, I think that's worth um, digging into a bit. Slow down. Be authentic. Decide, declare, and do what it takes. Be the change. Let it go. Heal from the inside out. Find magic. Choose gratitude. Love unconditionally. Stand for something and move towards. None of those are declarative um, goals to me. They're more atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. It's, it's, it's about action. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's that, it's the action really of the being. It's, being, it's, exactly. It's not more the action, the action of being more than the that's action right. of getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I read it. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and I actually over the, you know, like many listeners probably, over the nearly 51 years of my life, I've had a little bit of therapy. And one therapist in particular said to me at one point, she said, try, just try and stop doing she said, and just be, just be, roll around in the grass with your daughter. She was young at the time, my youngest, just be and see and see what happens. And that was really hard for me because I have lived a life of doing, I'm a doer. And sure, you can get some good things by doing, but even more amazing things just by being. Right, but I remember hearing similar things way back when and in early therapies I was in, and I had no idea what that meant. I didn't either. I didn't even know even then. I'm feeling for the listeners who may be going, how do you just be like, you're always doing something, you know? (laughs) I didn't know how either, and I didn't even know then. It took me years. I mean, after she made that statement, it was not during this transformative phase of my life, which we are always transforming, but this particular phase of my life, that was well before it. It was almost like it was a a, a teaser, you know, of something better yet to come when she said that. I had no idea what she meant. I'm like, okay, I'll schedule that. Like, in my mind, I was thinking, (laughs) I'll schedule time to be. Okay, that's how bad it was. That, well, when am I going to fit that into my calendar? Okay, I'll block out an hour to just be. Now, what's wrong with that? I didn't know how to just be in the moment. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that the idea of mindfulness is coming into the culture uh, more. However, there is that sense, like you, you carve out your 15 minutes for mindfulness in the morning. Uh, before you go do, 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 you know? Yeah, right. And I think they do call it mindfulness practice because we're practicing to kind of live there more. Yeah, but you have to sort of force it into a schedule at first. At first, absolutely. That's what's familiar. I mean, having a positive mindset is a practice, just like mindfulness. But being positive, you have to practice. But what that's good in this world, don't we actually, where, where aren't we practicing? We practice sports, we practice music, we play an instrument. You do practice. And so it makes sense that we should practice some of those other things around mental toughness, um, around resilience, around positivity, around loving, uh, around compassion, that sometimes it's not always innate or we, we feel it, but we're not really sure how to present it in our lives. The, uh, you've led led around to where I, I really wanted to focus in this segment, which is um, the idea of stop complaining or be positive. Uh, as someone who works in cancer, mm-hmm. uh, one of the other things I do is is run a continuing education program for therapists to to work with clients with cancer, I do groups, I see individual clients that are struggling with illness, and that can be so misconstrued, that statement, be positive, mm-hmm. and it be- it can really become a heavy weight. Uh, so let's, let's get into that, because I think, I think I know what you're talking about when you say that. Uh, you know, because you're obviously not wanting to go in a fearful direction. So um, what do you mean when you say be positive? Yeah, and I would say uh, it, it's, it's also a different choice of words. I don't, it, it's more about choosing a positive mindset as opposed to be positive. Because I don't like that either. If someone just says, oh, be positive. It's so, it's so demeaning and if you say just sort of just be positive. It's about choosing a positive mindset when you can. If you think about the, um, the stories about my father, and I describe about my father who's in a nursing home suffering, uh, and I do say suffering, not living, um, suffering from his disease, that I'm sad. I'm really sad. My mom is sad. We're all sad. He's dying. It's what they call the long goodbye. So I make a choice when I'm there, I can choose to be with him in the moments that I have. And that sometimes all that is, is holding his hand or feeding him. Or I could choose to sit there and complain and be sad and say, why did this happen to him and all of that? And then I miss, you know, the last months potentially of his life if I do that. So it's not, uh, to, or, or even never visiting. That never happens visiting a lot. Because I'm too afraid. And so they're not mutually exclusive. Like just to be positive doesn't mean you can't be sad or you can't be hurting. And I've really struggled with that with my mom. And I write about that in the book as well. How do you sit with someone in grief without saying, 
I, I made the mistake in the early on with my mom, and I would say, instead of be positive, I'd say, be grateful. Be grateful, Mom, that you had this many years with an amazing man and you had a loving marriage. Be grateful. She finally called me on it. And she said, okay, great. So then why am I in this situation now? Some days I don't want to be there. Some days I want to be sad. And I'll, guess what? I just want you to listen. Well, that's so that just so, that's so crucial, isn't it? Because uh, what, what I notice happens with my, my clients who are ill is that people put pressure on them to be positive because they don't want to be with them in what's difficult. Mm-hmm. They're very it's the kind of cheer up for me yeah. thing. Yes. And, yes. and that shuts everything down. So yeah. what you're saying is accept reality and accept everything you feel about it and figure out how to respond to that. Yeah, and sit with it. I finally, I finally learned how to sit with someone who's grieving. I can't solve her problem. I can't make my dad healthy. I can sit and listen. And then what, ended up, what ends up happening when I sit with her and I sit with her in grief is I don't say be positive, but you know what ends up happening is that she tires out of some of the sad places and she starts talking about wonderful experiences that they shared. And we end up standing up after a long, several hours of a conversation. She said, I haven't felt this good in a long time because guess what? She got to share her happy thoughts. She pulled herself out of it. It wasn't me. I didn't say be positive, but I sat with her in grief and I was just at a funeral uh, a couple of weeks ago, her, my mom's best friend passed, and I ended up standing up spontaneously. They asked if anyone wanted to speak, and I wanted to speak on my mom's behalf because she didn't want to speak because she was too afraid. Um, and I talked a bit about grief, and I said, the hardest part about grieving is grieving, <laughs> but to get through it, you just have to do it. You just have to grieve. And so being having a positive mindset does not, does not um, take away pain. It doesn't dismiss it and say that it is not important. They're not mutually exclusive. And so I always try to make that point when I have these conversations with people or with audiences that when you say you have a positive mindset, it does not mean that you don't grieve. It does not mean that you um, don't go to a dark place. It just means you know how to get out of it. Well, and actually, I guess I would go even a step further, Amy, which is that, um, uh, feeling states are meant to move. Mm. So if you uh, if you allow it, it moves on its own. Your mom mm-hmm. didn't have to pull herself to a positive place or to her wonderful memories. It happened because she could allow the stream. Mm-hmm. I, that's my assumption. Oh, it's absolutely and, right. Absolutely. And, and you helped that by being with her. Yeah, by sitting and listening. And I didn't always know how to do that. I don't know that I always do every time either. But it's, it's fascinating because of my mom keeps my book by her bed. It's so sweet. She said she reads. She says, I think I've read it 100 times. You need to write a new book. And um, <laughs> it's funny because we get on the phone and if she's had a really hard day, She'll say, I know it's not fair. I don't mean to complain. I don't want to ruin your day. I said, Mom, you're, you're, you have every right to complain and to grieve. I said, tell me how you're feeling. But she feels bad 
because she says, I know, I know you say don't complain. I said, it's okay, mom. This, you know, you're, 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 you get an exemption. Okay. You can complain. It's hard. So let me, so tell me how it is. And it gives her the freedom then to talk about it. And well, so uh, it also, is not at all meant to dismiss it. I, I didn't read your book to, to discount the value of complaint. Uh, you actually, uh, in the chapter on stop complaining, uh, you actually mostly talked about a 24-hour experiment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, and so that's the um, practice part. That's the practice part, right? Because right. When, you, when you practice it, then maybe when you go down that path, you can catch yourself and, and, move, and help move yourself in a new direction, or as you say, kind of allow the flow to take you elsewhere. And that's really what happens when you practice by not complaining. It's really turning around the same situation and just getting a different perspective. Things as simple as the weather, it's hot or cold, that's a fact. Do you want to go above it and say it's a beautiful sunny day, or do you want to go drop down into a negative place and say, I can't stand the heat? So those are all this, you're taking the same situation and it's about your perspective on the situation. Well, I'm I'm thinking something I'd like your view on, which is that there's a difference between between complaint and acknowledgement that that complaint often involves something being someone's fault, generally our own, Mm -hmm. Um, but but sometimes the other person. Yes. Complaint is, how could this be place. happening? Yes. There, there's some way, thing. you know, this shouldn't be happening. Why mm-hmm. is this happening? Why did you do this? Why did I do this? Why can't I blank, blank, blank? Mm-hmm. Whereas acknowledgement is more like, it is hot. It is cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's observation. You know, I talk about being above and below the O-line. The O-line is the line of observation, which is what you're describing as acknowledgement. You know, I don't have a job, which is what I was told over 30 days ago. I don't have a job. Okay, I could go hide away in a corner and go down below and say, you know, why, why me, why me? Or I can go above and say, okay, great. I'm going to create my future and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things. Um, so we're it, in agreement that on acknowledgement. that. Absolutely. And I like that <laughs> idea of acknowledgement. Absolutely. Time for our second break already. Listeners, uh, you can go to my website at weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Amy Venata Slater, you can go to amyslaterconsulting.com. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Amy Van Slater, and we're talking about her book, Moments, uh, which is about how to move forward in times of uncertainty. And um, for one thing, Amy, I'd, I'd really like you to tell people where they can find the book because I'll tell you what I like about it. When you're in uncertainty, at least for me, for instance, when my wife died, I really didn't want to read any long, dense books. I read nothing about how to grieve. <laughs> the, the entire, I read uh memoir i read books of inspirational quotes you know mm-hmm. a little bit, <laughs> and, little sound bites little sound bites little sound bites and um i can imagine that somebody could go to your book and you know some some little chapter might draw them a certain day they could read that all by itself mm-hmm. uh and nothing else and um so i think it's useful that way uh and also, of course, I really like books that include the story of the author because that's your entry card in a way. <laughs> you know, that's that's why you wrote the book, and that's how the power of it that you've experienced it. So, where where do people? Is it on Amazon, for instance? It is. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can look it up either by my name. You can look it up by the title. It's also on Barnes and Noble online as well. In a few uh, local uh, Bay Area bookstores, you can also very easily go to my business website, which is amyslaterconsulting.com, and there is a section where it says "Buy the book here," and it will take you directly to the link to Amazon. And um, there's also a place you can send me an email if there's any people have questions or want to share what their thoughts uh, about it. But uh, absolutely, you can go either to Amazon directly or through through my website. I also have a blog, which you can go to that where I write a, typically, well, more recently now, the last, about, you know, a couple times a week, just sharing different thoughts and different experiences around magic that I've been having lately. So, um, yeah, any of those places would work. So, let's talk about magic a little bit, because that's a, um, you know, a, a word with many meanings, let's say. There's the sleight of hand magic. Mm-hmm. There's the serendipitous, unexpected events magic. There's there's the feeling that uh, you sometimes get with an experience, but mm-hmm. not always. For instance, I'm in a choir, and it's always good music, but sometimes it's magic. My web search mm. something else. What is an yeah. experience? So, how do you differentiate those kind of experiences? 
Yeah, the magic, well, certainly magic isn't, you know, I think sometimes magic is in the eye of the beholder, right? But to me, when I speak in particular around some of these magical experiences, it's around the unexpected, the things that happen when you're not looking, the things that you aren't orchestrating that are sort of those serendipitous experiences. Um, I'll give one quick example of this magic that happened today. I was leaving just an incredible meeting where I was sharing my thoughts with a a group where I'm a mentor of this great place called Growth X Academy, talking about building your personal brand. And it was just really exciting. These people are transforming their lives and changing careers and all of that. And I was sharing that. And I was just in the clouds. It was a great kind of fireside chat type of thing. And I'm walking to my car. I'm in downtown San Francisco. And I had received a message from a firm where I do some consulting and that sort of basically outsourced consulting, sort of hire an expert for an hour, and I'm in their database. I'd received a call while I was in the meeting. I was calling this person back. Get on the phone. I call this person back, chit-chatting, and he's, he says, do you have a minute? I said, yeah, I'm just walking through the city. He goes, which city, San Francisco or New York, because they have two offices. And I said, San Francisco. He goes, oh, great. You know, I said, yeah, I'm on mission in second. He goes, really? And this is, mind you, someone I've, I think, maybe spoken to once on the phone, and I don't even know where their offices are. He said, well, that's right by our office. I said, really, I'm, on, I'm standing in front of Eddie Rickenbacker or something restaurant. He goes, that's our building. Oh, my gosh. We're in that building. He goes, can I come downstairs and meet you? Mm-hmm. Two seconds later, he comes downstairs and shakes my hand. What are the chances of that? Far-fetched. I have no idea. I, always just, I, 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 just, I talk to these folks all the time. Some, most of them are in New York. I happened to call him while I'm standing in front of his office building. They had just moved to that office building. So I come back again sometime, have lunch with us. Okay. In that moment, I was just blown away. That's just one example. But that's when I say, wow, there's just something bigger than me going on here. You know, it's bigger than coincidence. And the fact is, too, let's just say it was a coincidence. It would still be magical. It would still be magical, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. what are the odds kind of feeling? Yeah. And yeah. and what a what a pleasurable experience. Oh yeah. Just lighten my day. You know, it was already having a great day. It just sort of was like, Wow, I can't wait to share that experience. And those things happen to me almost every day. But I think they were probably happening to me before I didn't notice because I didn't slow down. Yes, because you didn't slow down and also, um, you know, I I hear about these studies, I never go and read them, but I I retain them anyway. Um, uh, Years ago, I read a study that it takes uh, five positives to neutralize a negative. Um, It was in an article about uh, communication in couples, and Mm. they were talking about how uh, if you criticize your partner, um, it's all they'll hear unless you also tell them what you appreciate. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true inside of us, too, that uh, we're so used to focusing on the negative that unless we cultivate the positive, the negative wins out. We don't even notice the positive. Yes. And that is biological. That was originally a survival instinct. But nonetheless, 
I don't think it works for us so well in our current <laughs> our our current um, state. Yeah. So yeah. you noticed. You could have just said, "Wow, that's weird." But yeah, you noticed it yeah. as a magic moment. You held on to it. You shared it with me. You let it be big. And yeah. and and kind of beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's why that's why that's the slowing down part. You just you make space for things that I didn't make space before. You know, if, I, if your schedule is too busy, how can you ever be spontaneous? So I leave. So it could have been now. a day. It could have been a day where you said, "Oh, that's interesting," but I've I've got somewhere to be. Yeah, sorry, gotta go. <laughs> sorry, but I gotta go. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of um, enhanced it by being available to let it unfold a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. I find I I find that's a little easier. It, it's a paradox of parenting that presence is more important, but um, in a sense, less available. Uh, yeah. I was I was just noticing the other day now that I don't live with uh, with young people, but they were around a lot. Uh, during the holidays, and I just felt the lack of space, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> regardless of trying to slow down with them and have having those, which I had those moments, but it was so, it felt so much more compressed. Yeah. So your yeah, next I mean, I book. Think that, I think, yeah, next is get a parenting. There's, yeah, that's a huge, how do you find space? <laughs> find space yeah, for parenting. Given the fact that, you know, we're supposed to, quote unquote, they, they, they need all these enhancing activities or they mm-hmm. won't get into college. And oh, yeah, all that is very real, isn't it? We're raising, <laughs> we're raising our children. I mean, we are raising the society in many ways. We raise our children to be too busy. Indeed. And not give them time to think, you know, and then how, how can they be creative when we're so true. Them when I, to be when so I busy. visit, I have two grandchildren. And so, and they live in Seattle. So when I go to visit, I come home so exhausted. Oh, yeah. There's not a dull minute. Except uh, I usually get to sit down for a while when they're napping. <laughs> and <laughs> it's kid, wonderful. The kids are overscheduled. <laughs> well, yeah. They, yes and no. I mean, I remember yeah. that very much. And they're all lovely things, and there's some presence in the busyness, for sure. I'm not sure how we get out of it, but I think the idea behind behind that, yes, indeed, um, remember to remember to breathe, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and appreciate. Uh, yeah. That it's another aspect, which um, I read something that said that um, parents who are raising kids score lower on happiness but people who have raised children who don't live with them any more score higher because they remember all those beautiful moments and have a chance to savor them mm-hmm. that 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 rings true, true to me <laughs> yeah yeah and what's what's so interesting in how much how many times you've said it as well but and maybe it's just because I wrote a book with the title moments I really didn't think a whole long time about moments it just sort of came to me but I realized how many times in a day people are talking to me about Moments. The moment that happened, I remember this moment, and I, I kind of smile inside of myself. I go, "See, that's why I titled. That was why I chose the title." 
Because how many times we're talking about, we don't always say, oh my gosh, this really big event just happened. We don't say that. We say, this moment was amazing, or this moment changed my life. Those are the things Absolutely. That we remember. That's, that's very powerful. Um, I, I will I will cogitate on that after we get off. Um, not that it's new, but that sense of really um, letting the moment be important, letting little moments be important, mm-hmm. letting mm-hmm. them matter, like several moments we've had in this talk together. Yeah, uh, that oh, yeah. I know I we're, that are, going, are going to stay resonated. with me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> So I know that you coach. Are there other things that you're doing you want people to know about before we end for today? We only have a few more minutes left. Sure. Well, so from a business standpoint, so I, as I said, I launched my business about 30 days ago, which is Amy Slater Consulting. I do um, sales strategy and sales enablement um, consulting. I do uh, coaching, both personal, professional, really anything around transformation. And then I also... Um, show up as a speaker for different kinds of events, whether it be, you know, women in business kinds of events, any event, sales kickoff, inspiration, motivation. Those are the kinds of things that, I, uh, that I'm, I'm doing right now and super excited to be doing. And I'm also writing my second book, which actually will be a fiction, a fiction book. Oh, fantastic. You know, we could have spent probably a lot of time talking about um, your job ending, I, I get the impression not planned. You didn't leave yes. to start your business. And Correct. the fact that all of this work you've done has led to that being uh, positive. Yeah, it actually is really And And kind um, of you're great. free to pursue this now, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so, just, it's opened an incredible, incredible treasure chest of opportunity for me uh, because as, sometimes I, as I when, move forward. Sometimes when the when the uh, magic involves a loss, it's hard to recognize. It is. It is. And um, I did what so, my book told me to do. I cried. I cried. And then I said, okay, you know, wipe my hands off. Next? Pick yourself up. <laughs> Let's go. Game on. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> I did shed tears. I did shed tears. I followed my own advice and I cried. Hey, I'm so happy to hear that as a grief counselor. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> you did. didn't skip I that part. I did not skip it. I cry every now and then, too, just to keep myself honest. (laughs) Well, it's been a pleasure, Amy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Cheryl. My pleasure. And you can find Amy and everything she does at at amyslaterconsulting.com. Next week, I'll have Joyce Samard, author of Namaste Care, which outlines her program for end-of-life care for people with dementia. That actually might be interesting to you, Amy. She's written a book, uh, Namaste Care. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.